Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. I wanted to um, talk a little bit about our sermon series. Our sermon series is called, have you enjoyed it so far? Uh, well, this is our fourth week, and, I, and, and it's so much fun for me. Let me tell you, if you've, if you've been a teacher, I know some of you have been teachers. If you've been a teacher, you learn so much more when you're teaching something. You really do. You learn so much more. So this is about this. This is the second time I've gone through Thessalonians um, in this type of a thing as a sermon series. And I'm learning still as I go. So every week what I do is I get my Bible out, and I, and I start taking a look at the chapter. And the first couple of days, I just kind of read it through. And I tell my wife I'm looking for a hook. <laughs> and she said, that doesn't sound real spiritual. Well, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to find something that helps you remember what we teach. You know, it isn't so much what I teach, it's what you remember. So I'm trying to make sure that we find ways for you to remember the things that we talk about so, uh, so, that, so that you benefit from it. Because if you just kind of sit here and listen to it, but you don't remember anything, you don't, you don't really benefit. But I thought I'd do this today. This is kind of fun. This is... Um, this is a Bible that I've had since 1983, and I'm, I'm going to teach out of it today. It's the only Bible I'm going to use today. And it has this on it. Can you see that? It's a crayon, right? Crayon. So this, there's a story behind this. So 1983, my wife and I opened a Christian bookstore. Remember when there were Christian bookstores all over the place? We had a, opened a Christian bookstore called The Good News Shop. And our, we, we didn't have a lot of money, so what we, what we ordered was some Bibles and some books and things like that. And a case of Bibles came in, and they were leather Bibles, okay? And my wife said, I don't know if we can afford leather Bibles, but I kind of have them. So we had this case of leather Bible, and my daughter at the time was three years old. And if you've had retail stores, especially with, when you've owned them or managed and stuff like that, you bring your kids along. So my, my daughter's kind of crawling around, and she's got crayons. So I opened up this box of Bibles. The very first Bible I opened... I sit down and she comes over and she goes <laughs> with her crayon. And my wife says, I guess you just bought a Bible. <laughs> so this is my Bible. I've had it since 1983 and I've, I've used this for many, many years and I just love it. So I just, my daughter now, by the way, is uh, 41 years old. So it, was a, so it was a while ago. She's having anniversaries also, Susan, of her 39th birthday. <laughs> so for the last, the last three weeks, we've been talking about this, this idea of, of deliverance. And we got this from chapter 1, verse 10, which was our sermon series that day, our sermon that day, which it says, and, the Lord, and, and pray for the Lord at his coming, who will deliver you from the wrath to come. So the idea is all through the book of Thessalonians, both 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, we're going to see one of the common themes of the Apostle Paul is the coming of the Lord. He's going to talk about it very, very often. In every single chapter, in fact, he mentions something about the coming of the Lord. So it's a, it's a prophetic book. Now, for those of you that, uh, that know your Bible, you'll say, you know, I know we did the, uh, the Acts of the Apostles last year, but now we're doing Thessalonians, but Thessalonians isn't, doesn't follow the Acts of the Apostles, right? I mean, if you know your Bible, you've got Romans, you've got 1 Corinthians, you've got Philippians, you've got Galatians, you've got Ephesians, you have, you have Colossians, all before... 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. And what I've said is the reason we're doing 1st and 2nd Thessalonians is because it was the first letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. He wrote a letter to the Thessalonians while he was still on his second missionary journey. It was his very first epistle 
that he wrote, and that's why we're doing it. And it's interesting that he spends so much time talking about the second coming of the Lord. Often we think that the coming of the Lord is something reserved for saints, right? People that have been around in church for years and years and years, and finally they hear a sermon on the book of Revelation. No, Paul thought it was a good thing to talk about right away. Right away, talked about the second coming of the Lord. By the way, I'm not going to say who did it, but some t someone of you fine ladies last week said, you know, pastor, you've been saying that. This was the very first letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. Don't you think he wrote a letter to his mother? <laughs> so, of course, okay. So I'm trying to be a little clearer that this is the very first epistle that the Apostle Paul wrote. So anyway, so we've talked about, we talked about um, deliverance in the first chapter. Then we talked a little bit about this idea that, the, that they, um, they received the word of God. Remember, they received the word of God. And that was what we said as a way to understand that they became Christians. And we're going to be talking about today, we're going to be in chapter 3 of 1st of, uh, and 2nd Thessalonians. And my message for today is over overcoming tribulation overcoming tribulation okay we're going to define what tribulation in fact if you look in your in your pamphlets you're going to see that this message today breaks up very nicely into three different groups the first part is paul's concern for the spiritual growth of these thessalonians and then the second part is verses 6 through 10 and he's going to talk about timothy's report and then he's going to at the very end have a prayer for the church it's actually a benediction it's a benediction that we've used as well so let's go ahead and get into 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. That'll be our very first part. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and set Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourself know that we were appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation, just as it happened and you know. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. So what Paul does is he is, he's enduring. He says, I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take it anymore. I had left you in Thessalonica. I got chased out of town. He went to Berea and to Athens, ends up in, in Corinth. And he says, I couldn't take it anymore. And he, the, he did the next best thing. Instead of sending himself back, he sent back Timothy. Now, he loved Timothy. Timothy was his spiritual son. He loved Timothy. He was a younger man. Timothy, if you remember, he, he, was a, he, was a, he had a Greek father and a Jewish mother. And he just, he just loved Timothy. And he calls Timothy his fellow laborer and minister, minister of God. Now, the word that he used there, minister, is the Greek word diakonos, okay? Has anybody been a deacon before? You've been deacons in your churches? That word deacon comes from diakonos. Now, the word deacon, the word diakonos, means servant. At this time, there's no official titles in the church. There were no senior pastors or youth pastors. There were no uh, bishops. There were, they, they weren't any of those types of things. At the time, they basically, everybody was just together. They were serving together. They would have a leader, typically an apostle or somebody that the apostle appointed. But Timothy was going back as a, as a servant. And that's what we do. Sometimes all we need to do is go where God sends us. Just take me, Lord. 
allow me to serve let me find a way to be able to serve you in any way possible we don't need titles we don't need paychecks we just need to be able to serve now Paul was sending back Timothy because he was concerned that because of tribulation okay we're gonna talk about that word because of tribulation because of being hard-pressed because of trials and struggles that these new believers in Christ would would fall away they would find it too difficult to follow the Lord and as a result they would fall away and Paul was concerned he had planted the church in Thessalonia for a purpose it was a very large cosmopolitan city lots of people were there it was a port city and he was trying to establish churches in big cities so that they would grow and as they grew they would plant other churches as well this is planting a church so Paul was concerned about this and this idea of tribulation is interesting it's in your bulletin this Jesus actually spoke of tribulation and we'll talk about Matthew 13 but I want to do this this word tribulation is from the Greek word philipsis philipsis you don't have to know that but it means to crush to press together it's the kind of word that you crush a grape in order to get juice out of it it's, it's being crushed and Paul is concerned that because of tribulation and he told them there was going to be tribulation there was going to be trials and struggles it's not if it's when when they came they might fall away now the reason he did this is the same reason that Jesus gave us this parable if you're with us on Wednesdays we often go through the parables the parables of Jesus I love it they're the words of Jesus in red and Jesus often spoke in parables in fact at one place it says that without parables he didn't speak which is an exaggeration but the idea is that Jesus often spoke in parables and I love teaching the parables because the parables are are stories but they we remember them they're easy to remember and one of the parables is in Matthew 13 and this is what it says it says Jesus says on the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea and great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore then he spoke many things to them in parables saying behold a sower went out to sow and as he sowed some seed fell by the wayside and the birds came and devoured them some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth but when the sun was up they were scorched must be Florida and because they had no root they withered away and some fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked them but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop some a hundredfold some sixty some thirty he who has ears to hear let them hear so if you've been with us on Wednesdays what we say is this is that Jesus often spoke in parables and it just so happens in chapter 13 this is why I love this parable in chapter 13 the Apostles even asked him why he was constantly speaking in parables and Jesus answered them and he said because to you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God so these parables are about the kingdom this is not about sowing now if so this is a farmer throwing out seed Jesus is not giving instructions to farmers on how to sow seed this isn't how you sow seed because they're just kind of throwing the seed kind of recklessly everywhere some are falling on sidewalks some on the way some among thorns and stony ground so no this is not about sowing seed this is about the kingdom of God 
Jesus wants us to know about the kingdom of God. This is why we read these parables. Now, the other reason I love this parable, and I use it today, is because specifically Jesus is talking about tribulation, and also Jesus gives us the, the meaning of the parable. So often we read these parables and we're trying to figure out what the meaning, what the meaning is. What is, it, what is this telling us? And all of us, sometimes it's easier, right? Sometimes it's not so easy. Like in the parable of the Good Samaritan, we kind of understand that, right? Like, do good to others. I mean, I kind of understand that. The, the parable of the, of the uh, uh, prodigal son. Okay, we have this loving father that's willing to take the son back even though he had squandered everything. So we see God the father in that. But we have to kind of know what the meaning is. In this parable, Jesus gives us the meaning. And I love that. This is what Jesus says. Jesus says, verse 18, he says, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside, the sidewalk. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation, there's that word, when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now, he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who received on good ground is he who hears the word, understands it, and indeed bears fruit and produces a hundredfold, some sixty and some 30. So I'm going to leave this up for a minute because even though Paul is concerned about persecution, and remember the persecution because of the word, because of the word persecution comes in, Paul was concerned that these, these Thessalonians would be persecuted because of their faith in God, because they believed in the Messiah. If they believed in the Messiah, the Jews would persecute them, right? Press them like a grape. If they believed in one God, the Greeks that believed in many gods would call them atheists because they didn't believe in their gods and they would persecute them. It was because of the word that they were being persecuted. But I'm leaving this up because for us, for all of us, this is where we struggle. It's the deceitfulness of riches. It's the distractions of the world that so often turns us away from God and what God wants our purpose in life to be. And instead, we are distracted. We're distracted. So often, we find ourselves distracted. I'm right there with them. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like my dog walking along. Everything's going fine. And all of a sudden, sees a squirrel, right? <laughs> sees a squirrel. Sees a bird. You know, sees something out there. And it distracts them from what they're supposed to be doing. The dog is supposed to be walking along. By the way, Piper just turned a year old. My dog just turned a year old. And she's actually doing pretty well. I mean, every, she's still kind of a puppy, you know? So every now and then she does things that she's not supposed to do. But more and more, Carol puts that harness on her, that service dog harness on it, and she goes to work. I mean, we took her to Target the other day, and she stayed right with her the whole time, walked all over the place. We took her over to Macy's. She stayed with her right, in the, right next to her all the time. So she's doing better. But like all of us, we can easily be distracted. One of the things that, that kind of breaks my heart is as I see people at a restaurant 
And it'll be mom and dad and brother and sister, you know, the four or five of them are sitting together. And what a wonderful time. What an opportunity to get together, to break bread together, to have a meal together. And everybody's on their cell phones. They're all on their cell phones, kind of doing their own thing. My, my, my grandson is 15 years old, Johnny. And I wish I could just take that cell phone and get rid of it because he's always on his phone. He's always playing games. I mean, he's just kind of sitting on the couch, just constantly on the phone. And if I'm talking to him, he'll kind of hear me, but not really. And he'll kind of answer me, but not really, because he's so distracted by the phone. Now, this deceitfulness of riches, remember our sermon title today is Overcoming Tribulation, right? Overcoming Tribulation. So when we see that the Bible says that it's a deceitfulness of riches and distractions that'll take away from our true purpose in the Lord, let's make sure that we overcome tribulation by getting rid of those distractions whenever possible. That doesn't mean you have to live like an Amish person and get rid of all electronics, but it means you have to be aware that things can distract you from what you're supposed to be doing. My wife is constantly telling me that I don't listen to her. I think she's right. I think there's many times that I'm just kind of sitting there and I'm being distracted and I should be paying attention to what Carol is, is telling me. She's talking to me. She's spending the time telling me something. It's got to be in, it's got to be important to her, otherwise she wouldn't be telling me. If it's important to her, it should be important to me. So I need to get rid of those types of distractions. So overcoming tribulation for us, it isn't so much about being persecuted for the word's sake. I mean, that does happen. That does happen. I mean, people around the world are being persecuted. There are many, many people that are probably going to their death today than there was back during the Apostle Paul's time because there's many more people. There's a lot more Christianity out there. There's a lot more persecution. But at the same time, we have to understand that for us, it's the distractions of the world. And riches, what happens with riches is we get more toys. Our toys distract us. Are you, are you familiar with that? I think it's Jason Aldean has a song he says, they say money can't buy much, but it can buy me a boat. <laughs> it can buy me a boat. And it can buy me a truck to pull the boat. I mean, money can buy certain things. So when you have money, it's easy to be distracted because there's more things that you can bring into your life that'll distract you even more. I remember years ago, true story, I talk about my daughter, my, uh, my daughter who was only three years old and wrote in my Bible. Um, as the kids got older, we really wanted to try to keep a house that was free of a lot of distractions. And we knew that TV would be a distraction. So instead of getting a big screen TV, we had a little TV. It was like a 14-inch TV, 15-inch TV, and it was black and white. We had a black and white. Now, we had cable TV, because that's the only way you could get TV service anyway. We had cable TV, but we had a black and white TV. And this is 1987, 1988. I mean, who does that, right? <laughs> who does that? So we had this black and white TV thinking we were doing a service until we found out that we couldn't get babysitters. And, and it was so hard for us to get babysitters. And then finally, one of the girls at church told us, told my wife, and she said, uh, Mrs. Bear, the reason nobody wants to sit for you is because all you have is that little black and white TV. So we broke down. We got a bit now today. Let me tell you, I've got big TVs. But back then, you know, we, we finally broke down and got a color TV and a bigger TV so that we could at least have a babysitter to take care of our kids. So overcoming tribulation, sometimes it's just a matter of, of understanding where your distractions are and what leads you away from the Word of God and what leads you away from being fruitful and trying to eliminate that stuff in your life. Sound good? Let's go on. 
6 or 10. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Now, what's interesting is that Timothy, Paul sends Timothy back to the Thessalonians. And he wants to find out if he can encourage them and strengthen them. Because he's concerned that just as Jesus talked about the cares of the world and the, so, the, the seeds thrown on thorny grounds and on the wayside, that they would be attacked and that somehow they would not be fruitful. But he's finding they are fruitful. And he mentions that he, they, that he brought good news of your faith and love. Remember, we had faith, hope, and love. So they got two of the three, right? They got two of the three. So Paul's so excited that they are, they're growing in the faith. And Timothy is bringing back a good report. And then Paul says one more thing, which I really like. He says, and that you always have good remembrance of us. Remember in chapter, in the chapter one, Paul was concerned about his reputation, not for his sake, but for their sakes. He knows that they were going to be criticizing Paul, shooting the messenger. Paul was the messenger, so if they could destroy Paul's reputation, they would be able to destroy the source of their faith. But these, these Thessalonians, they loved Paul. They loved their spiritual father. They had a good report. They had good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. So the Thessalonians were just as anxious about seeing Paul and Timothy as Paul and Timothy were of seeing them. That's great. I mean, I love that. I, I love it when I go somewhere and they're happy to see me as well. I mean, sometimes it's really tough. You get in a car and you drive and drive and drive and drive and you finally go to see somebody and they don't really care if you're there or not. Okay, that's, that's no fun. But the Thessalonians wanted to see Paul. They wanted to see Paul and Timothy and they had good remembrance of him. They were growing in their faith. Now, it says this. Paul says, Therefore, in our affliction and distress... We were comforted concerning you by your faith. And this is another way that we overcome tribulation, is to remember each other. Paul is undergoing affliction. Remember, Paul, no matter where Paul went, riots broke out, right? He was in, he was in Thessalonia, then he went to Athens, went to Berea, then he ended up in, in, in uh, Corinth. And no matter where he went, trouble followed him. Trouble followed him. Paul constantly was under tribulation. And during that time, he's praying for the churches that he planted. Paul is praying for the Thessalonians. And when he finds out that they're praying for him and want to encourage him, that lifts his spirit as well. So one of the best ways for us to be able to overcome tribulation is to pray for each other, to encourage each other. Remember, that no matter how difficult your life has been, regardless of whatever struggle you're going through, there are other people that are going through far worse. Far worse. You know, you may have the opportunity to be able to have to go to Advent, Advent Health, and be able to have a doctor minister to you and you get the tubes in your arms and stuff like that. And I've been there. We've all been there. That happens to us. But there are many people that wish they had a doctor. They wish that somebody would give them a good prognosis. 
some would be able to give them the medicine that they needed to be able to get well. They don't have places like the Windsor to be able to, take, to, to know. They don't have friends like you have friends at the residents here at the Windsor. So there's always people that need something more than you do. So if you can remember them, and even if you don't know anybody, you can flip on the channel, you can always find people that are suffering, people that are much worse off than you are, and you can pray for them. What better way to be able to lift yourself and to avoid the distractions of the world than to be able to spend some time in, pray, in prayer and pray for others that are less fortunate than you are. That's what Paul's talking about. Now let's go on. The last part we said was actually a prayer. And I love this. Remember, we talk about benedictions. If you've been with us for a while, we say we do benedictions at the end of our service. Benediction is two Greek words. Benediction, okay, means to speak well. Benny is well. Diction is like a dictionary. It's a word. So to speak well, to give good words of report. And that's what Paul is doing here. So Paul is praying for the church. He says this. He says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Now there's a couple of things that I want to point out in these scripture verses. One is that God... That, that Paul immediately talks about the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And may he direct our way to you. So Paul is even in his prayer praying that God has the opportunity for him to visit the Thessalonians. And in the meantime, that he would establish their hearts. That this word of faith that, 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 uh, that Jesus talked about, the sower that's sowing the seed, that seed of faith would be planted deep in their hearts. And they would be able to grow and respond to that, that word of faith that's in their hearts. Now remember I said that we, we have this sermon series called Deliverance because Paul often is talking about the second coming of the Lord. And I said at the end of every chapter, Paul talks about the coming of the Lord. And sure enough, I'll go back one. So I'll go back to the slide. So that, verse 13, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Did you know that when the Lord comes back and every eye will see him, when the Lord comes back to the Mount of Olives, and basically this is the culmination, this is the beginning of the kingdom, the kingdom that's, that's been promised to the people of Israel, that's all through the Bible. And so it's almost impossible to find some book of the Bible that doesn't start talking in some way about the coming kingdom of God. That's what we're waiting for. Did you know when the Lord comes back, he comes back with his saints? He comes back with us. Isn't that interesting? We'll talk about more about that next, the next chapter, chapter 4. Chapter 4 and chapter 5 in Thessalonians talks a lot about the second coming of the Lord and what that looks like and how Jesus comes back with his saints. Like that? So overcoming tribulation. Overcoming tribulation is basically a matter of understanding the distractions in your life. Being understand that God is on the throne and God is able to do abundantly more than you can even hope or think. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you, Lord, for this uh, message today. We thank you, Lord. for. You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. 
You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.